At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It's time for our Summer League summation here on the Hornets Hivecast as we take a look back at the almost two weeks that were for the Hornets Summer League squad. They go 0-5, unfortunately, but certainly some impressive performances. We'll also look at the Summer League superlatives across the NBA and a bit of a summer podcast preview for you as we head into the empty portion of our calendar in terms of there's no summer league, there won't be preseason for a while, but there's certainly a lot going on. Talk about some of the things we'll be focused on for you here on the Hornets Hivecast. Helping me out with all of this, Rob Longo, my producer on the Hornets Radio Network. And Rob, first and foremost, congratulations to Sacramento. Very impressive summer league performance. They go ahead, run the table, and end up winning the whole thing. Certainly disappointing that the Hornets go 0-5, but in my opinion, summer league, the results, it's a lot like, say, a rehabilitation start for a major league baseball player in the minors. Yeah, wins would be nice. They're not really the focal point, and I would say the same is true of Vegas Summer League. Yeah, that's a pretty good assessment and a pretty good comparison, I would say. I mean, I think my biggest overall takeaway is that we have to kind of keep things into perspective. Like LaMelo Ball always says, he is one of one. Not every single rookie that the Hornets are going to draft from here on out is going to be like LaMelo Ball. They're not going to be expected to produce the way that LaMelo Ball has in his first year, and a lot of people were surprised by that. So, I mean, most of these players just... They're not even in their 20s for the most part, and if they are, it's only by a few months. So there's going to be some growing pains between adjusting to the speed of the NBA game, along with court dimension, shot clock, all of those little intangibles. But with the amount of turnovers committed each game and some inconsistent offense that we saw, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of work to be done here between now and when training camp starts up here in about a month or so. But, you know, none of these players, again, keeping things in perspective, none of them are going to be asked of what they did in Summer League to be doing the same thing with the Hornets here in a few months once the regular season starts. I mean, we're not going to ask Kai Jones to step in right away and start at the four or the five. We're not going to ask James Booknight to run the point and play 30 minutes a night right away. He's probably going to be one of those guys that goes and plays the two or maybe even the three as well. So, I mean, those are just impossible expectations to have. So for me, it was great to see some of the younger players get a lot of these, hopefully, growing pains and these mistakes out of the way early in the summer for hopefully some more success down the road here in preseason and the regular season just around the corner. Yeah, and part of that perspective is 
as well. The Hornets, in addition to being one of the younger squads at Las Vegas Summer League, they're also one of the least experienced squads. Yeah, you got a couple of guys, Vernon Carey, Nick Richards, Grant Riller, who had played in the NBA sparingly in their rookie seasons. You had Arnoldus Kulboka, who had been through Summer League prior. But for the most part, this was a lot of guys who had not been in Vegas Summer League before, and a lot of guys who were basically rookies for the NBA period. And while most rosters are made up that way, it's it's not really a great excuse because Sacramento is built for the most part that way, but they did have some guys on the team who had been in these kinds of environments before. Sacramento, the team that wins it all, they had Jonathan Williams, who was 26, a couple years removed from Gonzaga. He had been around the block a little bit. Shemizzi Metu out of USC. He's been in the NBA for three seasons. So there were a couple of those guys on those rosters and several of the ones that the Hornets took on that Charlotte did not. So you get the experience factor. Before we go to individual performances for the Hornets, let's go to what other teams and players impress. Worth giving some of these other squares they're doing some of these are, are names that we might see later on so I'll let you have first crack at it Rob the team and or player you can start whichever one you'd like that most impressed you from Vegas Summer League so in my mind there were two players I'm gonna go with two players that really impressed me and one of them that really stood out I think we saw last night and we saw Monday of last week as well is Davion Mitchell I mean the knock on him coming out of Baylor was that he was a little too undersized but we saw firsthand in the second Hornets summer league game that his defense is a real deal I mean he really shut down James Booknight and he was able to shut down Peyton Pritchard last night as well in the summer league championships and I think that was just kind of amplified about what his defense was I mean you do it one time and it might be a mistake but you do it a second time and it starts being consistent so I mean the Kings as a whole they turned the Celtics over 25 times through three quarters last night keep in mind and this was the worst defensive team in history last year, the Sacramento Kings were. So, I mean, just crazy that just one player like Davion Mitchell can kind of just flip around that entire mentality, albeit a summer league team. But, I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that makes an impact right away for the big club as well in a couple of months. And the other player that really surprised me is Luke Garza. I mean, his draft stock really fell as the draft kind of inched closer and closer. There was talk that he might not even be drafted, but, you know, the Pistons selected him. And there were a lot of questions about his ability to play at the NBA level between the pace of play and just he slimmed down a lot and he averaged almost a double double in these five summer league games for the Pistons I mean he averaged 15 points and almost 10 rebounds so I'm interested to see if he gets any sort of extended run in the fall with Detroit especially of course you know with maybe a little bit more playing time opening up at the five considering you know the Pistons traded away Mason Plumlee to the Hornets, of course. So, you know, he was another guy that really stood out to me as well. Definitely agree with you about Luke Garza. You know, good for him. Happy for him. A couple of 20-point games in there. Saban Lee is another guy similar to kind of some of the Hornets rookies or second-year players, I should say, that went to Summer League for the first time. Saban Lee would fall into that category for Detroit, and he did well. And Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick, he looked pretty darn good out there as well for Detroit. Also like the Davion Mitchell pick, you know, usually you hope your veterans rub off on your rookies. I think Sacramento wouldn't mind if Davion Mitchell's defense rubbed off on the veterans because, uh, like you mentioned, Kings were dreadful defensively last season. And talk about a sea change. They were the best, in my opinion, defensive team at Summer League. Typically, defense is hard to teach and implement that quickly. So this is a really good sign for Sacramento fans. Still don't know entirely how that is 
going to work drafting back-to-back point guards after you already had a max player at point guard in De'Aaron Fox. But if you're going to put three young guards together, I suppose these are the three to try and do it with, with Fox you know, being that big-time scorer, plus Halliburton, top three for rookie of the year last year. No question, he's a talent. Davion Mitchell, the defense he brings, the tenacity he brings, a special player there as well. I'll say most impressive team for me, I'll go with the Kings. Their defense definitely stands out. Player, I'm going to say Trey Jones of San Antonio. He put up 34 points against the Charlotte Hornets, and he's one of those guys that, again, falls into that category of second-round pick, not much opportunity in a truncated offseason for his rookie year to really make an impact. He goes to Summer League and he puts up massive, massive numbers uh, showing the benefits of the experience he was able to get and then uh, you know put it into play. And Trey Jones stood out to me as an elite scorer and a great finisher as well in that contest against the Hornets. All right, that's it for segment one. Now segment two, we're going to be focused on the Hornets individuals who stood out, who stands out after the almost two weeks of Vegas Summer League. That's next. Next, here on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanshop.com. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC putting a bow on Vegas Summer League. And it's time for some Summer League superlatives, Rob Longo, for the Hornets. We've got a couple of categories here that we're going to examine the Hornets as individuals momentarily. But before we do that, just as a general thought on this, I, even though the team was 0-5, Rob, I think it's a very positive couple of weeks. I think we learned a lot about these rookies positively, what they can contribute right away, what kind of potential some of these guys have for the long-term future. And then uh, silver lining portion of the negative a lot of these guys just aren't ready to star in the NBA and that's not a shock I think it's good honestly that it's been revealed to them to the front office where the flaws are no quicker way to start to work on them than to shine the light on them and I think the Hornets in Book Knight, in Jones, in Thor, in Carey, in Richards, all up and down the roster, you see players that had flashes of brilliance out there. For however small a period of time it was, it was there for all of them. And then you have moments where you see, okay, here's what we need to work on to take that next step. And none of it, I think, is insurmountable for those that were drafted by the Hornets. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, obviously there's some mistakes that stand out, but it's not like it's anything that cannot be corrected. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like I mentioned in the first segment, I mean, these are all growing pains. These are things that, you know, you put it on the tape, you go back, you look at the film and you say, okay, this is what I need to work on. This is where I need to go from here. And a lot of it too, is just kind of the mental aspect of it as well. I mean, knowing some situations and knowing kind of how to manage the game. And we've heard James Borrego talk about that time and time again with LaMelo Ball. It's okay. Well, that first season was great. One rookie of the year. He was able to play at a high level. Now the next step is managing the game. So you got to crawl before you can walk. You got to be able to walk before you can run. So, you know, it's just kind of that progress of going back, understanding what you need to do to reshape your game. If there's anything you really need to work on from making that jump from the college to the pros and going at it from there. So, I mean, this kind of stuff is expected. It's going to take some time. Some people mature quicker than others, and some take a little bit more seasoning to do that. And that is perfectly okay. Everybody works at their own pace. So, like I said in the first segment, not everybody's going to be LaMelo Ball from the jump. So, just got to kind of take it in stride. 
Time for these Summer League superlatives, and I'm going to start enforcing the Rob rules to these kind of segments here. So the Rob rules are, we are not allowed to repeat the same player for the same superlative, and each of us individually can only use a player once. These are the Rob rules, as sometimes Rob has a tendency to name the entire team or teams whenever we give him choices. So, fair enough, Rob. I respect it. (laughs) All right, here we go. Summer League superlatives for the Hornets. Best performance. Who had the best performance out there in the desert? You go first, Rob. So I think this is one that we're going to disagree on, so this will work out well. I'm going to go with a little bit of a surprise here and go with JT Thor, just simply because of the way that he had to operate in Summer League. I mean, I think it's pretty well documented by now that he was only able to practice once before heading out to Vegas for Summer League. And the way that he really dazzled down the stretch those last two or three games where he was just be able to kind of find his footing. He said he got his win back. Just those little nuances that you don't even think of. So I'm going to go with JT. I think I saw a lot of promise from him. So I'm going to give him best performance, which probably opens up the door for you a little bit to pick someone else. Yeah, I had uh, Leangelo Ball all teed up, or you know, Arnoldus Kulboga. I had a couple other guys in mind in case you took who I thought you were going to take, but since you didn't, I'm happy to take the first-round pick, James Booknight. He was special at times. He was close to and around 20 points in a couple of the contests, and I think he definitely had some of those learning moments that I think will be valuable in terms of handling late-game situations, managing turnovers, just gaining some confidence. This is a guy who had a really rough second game and did not let it turn him off for the rest of Summer League. Instead, he bounced back, he persevered. thought we saw a lot of good things out of the top pick in the 2021 NBA draft from the Hornets' perspective in James Booknight. On to topic number two, Rob Longo. Which player from Summer League is most likely to help on day one? Well, I had James Booknight teed up, and then you put these rules on me, so... Well, you're allowed to take him since you didn't take him for best performance, and I have not taken him for most likely to help day one yet, so he is available to you. All right, I'll take James Booknight if you're going to hand it to me. I mean, I think just with him not having the pressure on him at the NBA level like he did in summer league. I mean, there were times he was getting doubled as soon as he was coming across the timeline running the point guard position. So like I said in the first segment a little bit, I think if you put him at the two on the second unit, I think he can really thrive there. So I'm going to go with James Booknight. I think he's the guy that can help from day one, and I think that's part of the reason why Mitch Kupchak drafted him 11th overall. Probably shouldn't have mentioned that uh, you you still had him available to you because I honestly was planning to take Book Knight for this one. But I will pivot, and I'm going to go with Kai Jones in a very specific set of circumstances here. I think we saw how raw Kai Jones' game is right now. Certainly had some mistakes and turnovers and quick decision-making in the offensive set. Also saw a lot of great things in terms of his athleticism and his game in the end-to-end fast break, both offensively and defensively. But I think he's most likely to help day one after that 16-rebound performance he had at Vegas Summer League. That's not easy to do at any stage of an NBA game, summer league, regular season, doesn't really matter. And I think at times the Hornets struggled to find rebounding last year. Now, part of that was the size and structure of the roster. When you had two guards that were under six foot five out there on the floor, that puts a little bit more pressure on other positions. When you're going with a small ball five who's six foot seven, puts you at a disadvantage at a few positions. Not that any of the players I'm referencing here had a tough time or a bad time overall. They were all really great players, quite frankly, for the Hornets. But some of those size mismatches, that's 
the department where it's going to hurt you. I think Kai Jones, with his athleticism, his leaping ability, if you simplify the game and you say, Kai, your job is to dunk it if we give it to you and get every rebound that's possible, I think he can have an impact right away. Will that be his role? I don't know, but it could be his role. So that's why I'll say he's most likely to help on day one. And now we'll turn to most likely to start for the Hornets in two years. Rob Longo, I have painted myself into a corner by taking the two first round picks. So I will let you answer first and come up with a valid response. So this is where I had Kai Jones. I had him at most likely to start in two years. And that's not to say that he can't make a contribution from day one by any means. I mean, he can come off the bench. and The guy is a freak of nature athletically. But just because he's so young and he's so raw, I think he needs those two years to just kind of mature and fill into his body a little bit, bulk up a little bit, gain some muscle so he can really be a true number five at the NBA level. I mean, right now I think he's kind of a hybrid between a four and a stretch five. But I think if he's able to get some muscle and maybe develop a little bit more of an outside shot. I mean, he the outside shot is still there, but if he can just become a little bit more consistent with it in the role that you previously mentioned, just go to the rim, dunk anything that comes your way, block anything that comes your way on defense, and grab any rebound imaginable, then yeah, he can definitely contribute from day one. But for him to be a really driving force in the association, I think he still needs about two more years to kind of mature and fill into that body. I'm going to go with Vernon Carey for this one. I think the center spot is where the Hornets, in terms of overall roster construction right now, are probably the thinnest. Definitely excited about Plumlee and him coming in and think he can contribute right away. But, you know, whereas at other positions, there's one or two guys to get through after I've eliminated Book Knight and Jones from my own implementation of the Rob rules. So I'm going to go with Vernon Carey. He's certainly shown us at the NBA level that he can fill it up against top-notch NBA centers that consist needs to grow his defensive games ability to stay on the floor via foul trouble needs to continue to improve of course but I don't think he did anything in summer league to make us believe any less in his talent had that one really big game out there in Las Vegas so I, I'll I'll go Vernon Carey for most likely to start in two years and I'm going to reconsider whether or not I'm going to keep the Rob rules in place not necessarily to keep you in line Rob but because I completely threw myself off with all these picks but hey it was a fun exercise segment three is coming up our summer podcast preview. Yes, Vegas Summer League is in the books, and we, of course, have training camp roughly a month away right now, but there's still a lot of news that's upcoming, and we will tell you some of the podcasts we have in the hopper after this here on the Hornets Ivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. And Rob, Vegas Summer League in the books. Very entertaining week and a half. Obviously disappointing to see the Hornets go 0-5, but some lessons to be taken away from this. And it'll be interesting to see how the many, many guys that are rostered players for the Hornets benefit from this. was one thing that cannot be overstated, the impact it had on last year's rookie class. LaMelo Ball, the exceptional talent he is, I'll say was able to overcome the adverse circumstances. I don't think this is any knock on the Vernon Carries or the Nick Richards or, or any of the other players, Hornets or otherwise, who struggle to get on the court and make an impact in their rookie seasons without having a normal training camp and without having summer league. LaMelo Ball was just that good, but now we will find out how this impacts 
impact goes for these young players, rookies and second year guys now, whether they're going to Greensboro or Charlotte, I think there's going to be certainly some positives to take away. Other positives, we have a lot more podcasts for you. Yeah, we're entering the uh, the slow spot in the schedule, but there's a few big ticket items that are still coming up. We have still yet to fully address free agency, so coming up next week, we'll give you a little bit more breakdown on some of the moves made. We'll get Sam Purley into the podcast booth and we'll talk a little bit about the breakdown of what the Hornets were able to accomplish in free agency via trade and or signings. And also the NBA schedule is pending. We've gotten a sneak peek. We know the Hornets are not playing on Christmas, so no work on the holiday for you, Rob. But we will see the full schedule in the next few days, and you can be sure we will have a podcast ready for you to break it down here on the Hornets Hivecast. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm glad for a multitude of reasons we aren't working Christmas Day. Although, you know, the way that the NBA has built and marketed Christmas over the last couple of seasons, I mean, it's a very special day in the association, and it means a lot to be playing on that day. But I mean, if you just look at that schedule for Christmas Day, I mean, I don't think I'm going to leave my couch. I mean, 12 hours of nonstop great games. I mean, Celtics, Bucks, Warriors, Suns, Nets, and Lakers. This schedule is just absolutely bonkers for Christmas Day. And even the tip-off schedule that was leaked out, well, not really leaked out, but released... You got the Nets in the Bucks. That's going to be a really good matchup, especially after the way that that conference semifinal series went down last year, going to seven games. And then you got a couple of other good showdowns like the Nuggets and the Suns. So there's plenty of good matchups already out there. I just can't wait to see what the full schedule looks like, especially for the Hornets, so we can really break that down for you here on the HHC. It's going to be a great Christmas holiday when it comes to the NBA, and it's going to be a very interesting schedule overall. I'll be excited to see the NBA as a whole get a little bit more recharge. I've heard it you know, being described the last 18 months as really a marathon of basketball, particularly for teams that were in the bubble. Games came fast and furious. There was very little break time. Kudos to all of the players, the coaches, the staff who were able to help make this a reality because it easily could have gone awry. But everyone stuck to it, focused on the larger goal at hand and able to accomplish something great, giving all the fans, the country, the world, NBA basketball, and play a season out to its conclusion. Now we get a little time to recharge. And uh, when we get back to it, I think we're going to see a little bit better basketball. Not that the basketball was bad last season, but clearly guys were fatigued. Injuries were piling up. I think we're going to see a more normal schedule come out. Certainly one of the things we're going to be watching for. How often are back-to-backs happening in this upcoming season? What does the schedule really look like in terms of rest? That will be interesting to see. And also, where do the Hornets stack up in terms of nationally televised games? I have a feeling we're going to see more than two or three for this upcoming season. Yeah, so there's some goods and bads for that. I mean, the good thing is, you know, the Hornets are getting some more national recognition. Bad news is, not as much Eric Collins, unfortunately, if you're watching at home on TV. But hey, we'll keep it company on the radio side. That's very true. That's very true. Eric is certainly the best in the business, and I didn't even think about it that way. So less is more for the national TV audience. But Charlotte, I have a feeling, is going to be featured much more prominently this coming season and in the seasons to come with LaMelo Ball now uh, solidly in there as the focal point of this franchise. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the HHC. Again, once the full regular season schedule comes out, we will be breaking that down for you here in probably our very next episode as is anticipated to be coming in the next day or two. And then very shortly, sometime next week, we will have our full free agency breakdown for the Hornets. So until next time, for Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.